We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. guns if you could get coach freeman and the coordinators on truth serum what would be your most important question to ask them that you know you would otherwise get coach speak or decredentialed for wow that's a good one i if i could get them on on truth serum in a in a non-public forum i would i always am fascinated i really want to know what you think your team's talent level is Cause there's a lot of coaches that are always like, you know, how fans are always thinking of the next generation of the next there's coaches that are that way too. They're always down on their team and they're always looking forward to that next recruiting class. And it sure. kind of drives oh, me yeah. nuts. Yeah. I'd be very curious to the, to the current coaching. Cause it's, especially when it's, you're not the ones that recruited this roster. So you right. might be a little bit more honest about it. What do you really think at a talent level of your roster? You know? And, and it, I remember, you, you know, I'm talking about, I had a, a lunch with an assistant coach recently. Still don't know how you did that. Was uh, no longer with the program, and we were talking about his position group, and he basically just said, "I got a bunch of role players," and I'm just like, "Okay, this explains to me everything I need to know about you and why you did what you did." Because it's no, it's not my fault. It's the players' fault, and I can't stand coaches like that. I can't you recruit better play? Like if that's if that's your premise. Can't. Why'd you recruit Academics a bunch of players? Too hard. Oh, stop! Yeah, ex- I, I get it. I know. I get I'm it. not saying you. I'm not saying I get you. It. I'm just I don't like, want to start saying players that they've had because I, I don't want to give it away too much. But like, yeah, it was uh, it was very eye opening. I remember Vince. Uh, I almost the only time I ever almost got in a fight with an assistant coach. Uh, I was at CNU and our O line coach. We we were just having a really rough year in 05. I mean, the year before we had this pro- school's best ever record. We won nine games. We went the second round of the playoff. You know, beat my alma mater, was undefeated in round one, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next year, we were ta- more talented, but we just weren't as good because we didn't have leadership. We just we weren't coaching well. We, and, and we're sitting there in a meeting, and the O-line coach goes, guys, I just want everybody to remember, it's not us. It's them. And I looked at him. I was like, are you effing kidding me? Like, you know what I mean? I just went off. And so this old geezer gets up, and he, he stands on me. And I'm, I'm like, I was like, okay, let's, let's do something. But I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, like, it's not us. It's them. Yeah, there are there are coaches like that, and and oh. those are coaches that if I was head coach, 
you're out. Like that's right. what I when I remember Clark Lee told me he goes, we're sitting in a meeting when I first took over, and I got some of my coaches like, what our guys can't do and can't do and can't do, and he's like, he'd say, I'd say, stop, guys, stop, 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 stop telling me what they can't do. Tell me what they can do, and then we'll build our defense around it. And I was like, that's that's a football coach right there. Yeah, that's a exactly. football coach. That's that's a guy that gets it right. Exactly. And Coach Freeman has got this to him as well. Uh, Mike Elko's that way. I, I I love coaches like that. Just right. tell me what they can do, and then we'll build around it. And um, I, I hope I think Jared Parker has a little bit of that in him. I'm hoping I'm hopeful at least based on some things that I've heard that he's got that in him. But but having a realistic view of your roster is very important. Absolutely. Because if you think your talent's better than it is, then you're going to ask guys to do things that they really can't do against teams that they definitely can't do it against. Right. If you undersell your roster, then you're going to think that I got to because guys that undersell their roster are usually the ones that got to convince themselves this is why I got to run a million different plays because I don't have dudes. I got to go show everyone how smart I am. Right. right? Uh, so that would that would be the thing I would be curious about, Vince. That'd be a, a really interesting conversation. Somebody just asked ask him about uh, the Andy Ludwig situation. That's a good one. Ooh. That's a if if you could get him on true serum. Ooh. If I could get Jack Swarbrick and Marcus that Freeman in a room and give him true serum, I'd that love a, to. That, that would be a really good one because there's so that, many things swirling around <laughs> about that, like at the time and now, like and, exactly. That, that is a that's a that's actually a really yeah. really good one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Jared Michael, do we beat Ohio State last year with Hartman? Hard to imagine the answer is no. Well, it's not hard to imagine the answer being no, Vince. I, I Look, there's always these conversations to have where if you have this guy, do you win that game? Right. And my whole thing is like if you have Sam Hartman at quarterback, you don't score 10 points only in, in that game. But sure. the problem at quarter, the problem against Ohio State was not as much Tyler Buckner as it was the offensive line. Right. They, they they couldn't block. Yeah. weren't blocking anybody. Couldn't get any running room going. Right. They were had trouble protecting the quarterback. And there's times where Buckner makes the right read. He's got Braden Lindsay open. He hits the top of his step and he's drilled in the face by Tommy Eichenberg on a delay yeah. blitz because they nobody touched him. I don't know what Sam Hartman was going to do about that. You know, maybe he could have done a pass a protection check. Maybe that would have been a, something they could have done that might have had it. But also, you know, Ohio State kind of went into once they got the lead at 14 to 10. They kind of went into okay, let's run out the clock, yeah, because we know they can't score on us. Let's just right. not do something stupid to give them a short field. Because right. remember, no, one of Notre Dame's uh, points came off of a of short field. I mean, not a short field, but a busted play where a guy tried to go for an interception 
uh, didn't make it. Then Lorenzo Styles runs for 54 yards, and that set up one of Notre Dame's scores. It's not like Notre Dame just went down the field and, you know, scored a on a 10 play drive multiple times. That that's not how the game went down. You know what I mean? And so if I'm Ohio yeah. State, once I got that lead and your offense has been just struggling the entire game, I mean Notre Dame only really put one good drive together the whole game. That's it. I'm going to sit there and say, hey, and, and, and that one drive required Matt Salerno to make a crazy one-handed catch, you know, on third and two. So I'm just like, look, we're not going to screw it up. We're not going to we're not going to do something to give them a chance to go score. And so they just pretty much wanted to run the clock. If Sam Hartman's a quarterback, they may not do that. And for all we know, Ohio State might have had a couple answers that would have led to some scores. So I, I it's hard to say that. What I have said, Vince, is I think what they would have done if Sam Hartman was a quarterback is they would have beaten Stanford and Marshall for sure. And I think they would have split one of the t- two other big games. I think they would have split between it's fair. Ohio State and USC. Which one would they have beat? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Could they have beaten Ohio State with Sam Hartman? Yeah, certainly. But the offensive line needed to play a lot better. And that was also a time of the year when the receivers weren't playing very well. USC is a different story to me. I, the reason I kind of lean towards the USC game is the one that they would win is because the offense was actually moving the ball in that game and USC could not guard Notre Dame's receivers that game at all. Yeah. I, I like, I kind of look at it like yeah. this. I've had people say, well, you know, Drew Pine is not the reason Notre Dame lost to USC. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there's never one player that's the reason you lose for a game. Even if a guy throws an interception last play of the game, there's 10, 12 plays that happened before. I mean, that that's that's coach speak, but it's also true. You know, there's a million things that could have happened before that could have led you to winning that game. And so it's never one guy's fault, but it's just kind of like, but there was a lot of opportunities that he missed that game. But my point is if Drew Pine went 23 of 26 for 318 yards and three touchdowns against that defense, which you and I thought sucked, what would Sam Hartman have done to that defense? Right, exactly. And that's kind of my point. And then now all of a sudden you get Caleb Williams out of his comfort zone and your offense is moving and he's got to take some chances. Maybe then you start – who knows? And But but that's sure. the whole point. Is I don't know how those things would have gone down. That's why I've said I'm just going to err on the side of saying I know they would have beat Marshall and I know they would have beat Stanford and they'd have split with the other two. The question would be would that split have been good enough to get them in the college football playoff? And I think it would have. I think what would have happened is if Notre Dame would have beat lost to Ohio State and then beat USC and Clemson in November, that when TCU got beat by K-State in the first round, that had knocked them out. And Ohio State would have moved up to number three and Notre Dame would have moved up to number four. And Notre Dame would have played um, Michigan in the first round. Oh. Michigan was the one seed, what weren't they? Wasn't Michigan? No, Georgia was no, the one seed, so they, they played Georgia one. in the first round. They played Georgia, yeah. So that's uh, that's what I think would have happened. I like it. So we yeah. went through the whole season. I like that and how that would have all planned panned out. But that I was one of the wildest last few weeks because you, you you know Clemson had a shot to get yeah. in, and they could lose to South Carolina. Yeah, and Tennessee's got a shot to go in, then they lose. Who, they didn't lose. Somebody knocked them out beforehand. Was it South Carolina that knocked them out? Because I know Tennessee lost. Did they lose two or three games last year? I can't, I can't remember. remember how that all went down, but I it was wild there towards the end. Because everybody's thinking, because they lost to Georgia, that knocked them off a of number one. But then they were back in the top four after beating, after Clemson got whooped by Notre Dame. Because the same day that Tennessee lost to Georgia, Clemson got whooped by Notre Dame. Yeah, it was it was two weeks later they got beat by South Carolina that knocked them out. So and then a week later, Clemson gets knocked out by South Carolina, and then okay. USC plays Utah, and USC gets beat by Utah. Literally everything that needed to happen yeah. 
for Ohio State to get in happened, including just for insurance, TCU losing to K State in case one of the other three like literally they needed three of four teams to lose in the last two last three weeks of the season for Ohio State to get in, and they all lost all four of them. So it was a wild finish to the season, man. Like wild finish. And Ohio State almost took advantage of it, man. Like they almost did. Yeah, they really. I know. They would have backed into the to playoff worse than any team ever backed in. And if they'd have beat Georgia, <laughs> they would have won the championship. Like, isn't crazy. that crazy? Crazy. Because uh, they would have. They, they oh, would have beat TCU, TCU like Georgia did, because TCU could have scored a little bit on them. But TCU was spent. I mean, that's thing oh. about TCU is they were they yeah. they were tapped out. They had fought so many battles, and they had so they didn't have great depth. I mean, Max Dugan was running on fumes in the Big Twelve title game, much less after the Michigan game. Right. You know what I mean? Like he got like a little bit of recharge for the semifinal, but he was tapped out. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They were they were tapped out, especially with not having their running back in the championship game. They were they were tapped out. Ohio State would have beat them convincing. It would have looked a lot like the Oregon game in 2014, Vince, like 42 sure. to 20, something like that. 42 to 27, maybe TCU gets a late score, but they would have beat TCU. There's no doubt. It just wouldn't have been 65 to seven, right? In my opinion. So good stuff, man. Let's get the last few here as we as we get ready to get out of here. All right, Johnny, what are some of the most frustrating things about the offense for you? One of mine is the running back getting tackled for a loss. What? I mean, okay. Well, um, for, uh, that doesn't bother me. I mean, guys are going to get tackled for losses. I was right. looking this number up, Vince, earlier. The team in the cunt last year that that had the gave up the fewest tackles for loss last year in the entire season was Washington. They gave up 31 total. Seven of those were sacks. So that means they had 24 other tackles for loss. Some of those are going to be taking a knee, you know, stuff sure. like that. Sure. Uh, That's but, so stupid um, that counts, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, the thing that frustrates me about the offense at Notre Dame has been just some of the unwillingness to develop your depth has yeah. probably been the most frustrating thing for me. And more than anything, is that's because been on then, more on the offense than the defense because defense yeah, does play some younger guys at times. And, yeah. yeah, it just it's always been frustrating because it's like then you whine about how your receivers don't have enough experience in 2022 when you should have been playing them last year. Right. You should have got exactly. them more experience last year. Should have got the ball more last year. Right. Uh, so those are that's been a frustrating thing for me. And then this, and then the other one is just the inability to develop quarterbacks. That's the has one been for a me. Frustration for me. Yeah. That's the one for me. It's the it's the the overall quarterback production and play and however however you want to quantify the quarterback play it's that's what it is and they have an opportunity now to kind of change the narrative at quarterback for Notre Dame you know with with Sam Hartman coming in but they they didn't develop Sam Hartman right so now can the quarterback play be better for the offense yes but the development piece of it is still going to be a question mark and what does that look like in 24 25 26 as some of these younger guys who we think are really good and have the ability to be really good, can they get developed by this staff and by Notre Dame in general, and then start to just get quarterbacks in here and get them on the field and have them produce? I think that's to me, the biggest question mark or the biggest frustration with the offense, because they've had good receivers, good offensive line, good running backs. I mean, they've had other position groups on offense that can be championship level championship worthy just haven't had the quarterback to get them there and that's been extremely frustrating at a place like Notre Dame that should be able to attract quarterbacks which I think they have done 
but they haven't been able to keep them slash develop them. And that's been even more frustrating. Jordan again, can Notre Dame keep sustaining its needs at safety by going to the transfer portal every no, year? I don't think a team can sustain their needs at any position by going to the portal every year. Eventually you have to recruit high school players, especially Correct. at Notre Dame. Cause like Notre Dame has done much better in the portal, but they're all their portal guys are still graduates. I mean, they're still getting graduate portal guys. I mean, Sam Hartman's a graduate. Javante, John sure. Baptiste, Thomas Harper. And like eight of they're all graduates. Yeah, right. Right. They're all grad transfers. They're guys right. that they would have got before the open portal system. Right. Right. So uh, Notre Dame especially is just not going to be able to do that, nor, nor should they, honestly. And that's – you have to recruit high school players. Absolutely. You have to. You have yep. to. Now, you may need to rebuild your roster early on with portal guys. Like Brian Kelly did that to a degree last year. Sure. Uh, Lincoln Riley's doing that at USC. We're starting to see OC somewhat go more to high school now, but he's still going to be much more portal involved than anybody else. Right. Just, just the nature of it. Um, but the best teams in, the, in college football right now, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, Notre Dame, to me, the, the USC is the uh, anomaly. They're the exception. Right, right. Those other teams are not portal dominant teams. They're and going to the portal. Is it sustainable? Right. Like that's. It, the I don't key. think that it is. Yeah, I don't right. think. I think it's good to get. Like if you're going to make a run, it's like, you know, it, It's yeah. just hard to because you know Lincoln Riley's in a situation at USC where he can kind of reload every year. His reputation being in LA, all that kind of stuff. But then uh, the cat up at Michigan State, Mel Tucker tries that. I thought forgot his name for a second. Mel Tucker does that, and that for the one year it works great, but then the next year right. psh, yeah, they tank. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because they can't go out and just get new transfers every single year. Right. Like, and they got a little lucky with Kenneth Walker. I highly doubt that when Wake Forest or Michigan State got him, they're like, this guy's gonna be the best running back in college football. He can start at Wake Forest. Yeah. Which says a lot about you know whoever's making those decisions at Wake Forest. <laughs> but yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. From Tom, is 40 times speed part of being athletic? If so, how can you be really, really athletic if you're not fast? I understand there's more than speed in being athletic. Well, you kind of answered your question, right? And right. can you be fast and not a great athlete? Sure. Can you be a great athlete and not fast? Sure. I mean, it, it's like not every really athletic player is really athletic in every category. Sure. Right. Like, like, would you call Will Fuller really athletic? I, I, I would. Right. But Will Fuller had some numbers that you're like, uh, those aren't great numbers. Like, you know, his agility wasn't great. Right. If you look at his numbers for the, the, like the three cone. So Will Fuller goes out and runs a four, three, two, which is really good. But then you look at his other stuff and he, he ran a, he ran at a six nine in the three cone. That's pretty good. Only a thirty three and a half inch vertical. It's not very good. A four two seven in the shuttle. That's not very good, right? So it's just one of those things where. But I'd still call him athletic. Certainly, he's very athletic. Uh, can you be an athletic linebacker and run a five flat? No, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're saying right. is you only need to be a four five. You can be like Manti Tail is a perfect example. I think Manti Tail is a very good athlete. He's just slow. He's just not mm-hmm. like fat, like fo- compared to other elite linebackers. He's just not real fast. I was told this about Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. I got told three months, but like three months before the actually is even longer because I got told this during the season. 
guy said to me, there's no way Jeremiah Wusukormo runs a 40 at the, at the Combiner Pro Day. So why? I'm like, because he said, because he will blow, he will crush the Combine in every area except one. He never runs a, I, I was told, somebody told me, and I don't know how true this is, that he never beat, he never got above a 4.7 at Notre Dame in the wow. 40. I don't know if I buy that, but what I was told is his long speech is not great, but you get him within a 20-yard span, and he is as elite athletically and explosive as anybody in the country. Yep. And that's very true. But there's a reason. I said, because, like, it was kind of funny. Everybody's like, well, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't do the 40 at the at the pro day because he had a hamstring injury. And I'm like, guys, he did several drills that are much tougher on your hamstring than a than 40. Than a 40. Yeah, exactly. You know, like he ran a three-cone drill. He ran shuttle. He did a 40. and He did the vertical. He did all that kind of stuff, right? So he didn't run that because he didn't want to put a bad 40 time on the table, which I completely understand. Absolutely. But he was one of the most explosive athletes I've seen at linebacker. I mean, him and Jalen Smith are easily the two best line- athletes I've ever seen at Notre Dame at linebacker. Easily. Well, and that's the other he thing. He wasn't fast. Like, do you being quick and being fast are kind of two different things, right? Because how often do you need Jeremiah Usikormo to run 40 yards in a straight line? You know what I mean? Like, right. That that's just not if I'm looking at all the things that I need to look at, that's right. one of the last things that I care about. So to answer Tom's question is being a, being a great athlete does not require that you're great in every single measurable that is a part of athleticism. Right. Right. Like I would call Isaiah Foskey a very good athlete, but there are certain drills where he didn't test super well because he's a little tight hipped. So, yes, you can be athletic and not be fast is is 40 time because like I feel like you're asking a couple different questions here, Tom. Right. What well, is he, 40 times the question just of both. being athletic? Yes. yes. Yeah, right. Sure. Yes, it is. Um, is it the is it the um, Trump card where a good or bad time makes you this? I would say it is in one way, but not the other. It's hard for me to say someone's not a good athlete if they run a really fast 40 time. I would not necessarily throw someone up in the elite athlete. This is why eventually you'll see guys that run like four threes. There was a guy that ran over like a four three one a couple few years ago and didn't get didn't get drafted and didn't make it out of rookie minicamp because he just was not a great athlete otherwise. And there was, I mean, he wasn't a great football player either. But you you can't be you can't be a bad athlete and be really fast, right? In my opinion. But you also don't doesn't make you a great athlete either. You can be a four seven linebacker and be really athletic in other areas, but not be fast. Can you be a five one linebacker and be athletic? No, I don't think that you can. Because if you're a five one, that shows other athletic issues or other body issues sure. that are gonna that you're not gonna be a super like you're not gonna run a five one in the 40 and then run a four one five shuttle, right? Or leap four because if you're leaping 40 right. inches, you're not running a five one unless you're 350 pounds exactly right i mean that's things do translate one to the other right 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 Right. but it doesn't need to be elite right and there's different types of being fast there's guys that are fast out of the gate for dexter williams is this way dexter williams would anyone question dexter williams being a a really good athlete of course he's a very good athlete he ran a four five eight at the at the pro day right that's slow for a running back absolutely how hamilton ran a a four eight uh, Jalen Elliott ran a uh, or a four six eight. Jalen Elliott ran a four eight at the combine. Now his pro day numbers were better. I think he got into the four sixes, I believe. But he's not fast. Jalen Elliott's an outstanding athlete. He's just not real fast. 
there's a difference. So I, I do think you can be not fast. And again, when we talk not fast, we're talking not fast, like relative to other great athletes. They're all fast for us, you know, I mean, in our world. I mean, they're still faster than all of us. It's just kind of part of the deal. I mean, Jalen Elliott ran a 4.8 and a 40 at the combine. He still ran a 6.873 cone. It's outstanding. He jumped 34 inches. His broad jump was a 125. Those are all very good athletic numbers. He just wasn't a good 40-time guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Those are those are all all interesting things, but yeah, Tom, it's it's there's a lot of partial truths to everything you're saying. You can sure. you can be athletic and not fast, but you can also be fast and not an elite athlete. It's just every player's different, and there's some guys that just don't test well. They're they're athletic on the field, they just don't test well. Irish Mills. Five, four, zero. Usually I'm working during the live shows, try to catch them live when I can. But looking at Kaiser, JD, and Marist, how crucial is it that they are a complete unit this year rather than one standout? I mean, that's it right there. I mean, Irish Mills, that's kind of what we discussed a little bit at the end of the show, Vince, was it's – I don't know that there's going to be – there's not going to be a Jalen Smith at the end right. There's not going to be a Manti. There's not going to be a Jeremiah Usukor. There may be one production – like – if J.D. Bertrand goes out this year and has 105 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, seven pass breakups, and three sacks, which is something he was on pace for last year, that's better than anything Jalen Smith ever did at Notre sure. Dame. You know, slightly lower on tackles, but more pass breakups, more interceptions, more sacks, more tackles for loss than anything Jalen Smith ever did. Is he as good as Jalen Smith? No, of course not. Uh, but it's about playing within the system, producing within the system. And 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 if one guy is playing great and two aren't, or two guys are playing great and one guy's really bad, then as a unit, they're not going to play well. It's just, you know what it is, Vince. It's a lot like offensive line. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that. I'm sorry. Go no, no, no. It. You're no, you're good because that the, it, they don't need to have now. If you're giving me the option of having a Jalen Smith or a Manti Te'o or what? Yeah, of course, of course, I'm going to take one of those guys. But you don't have to have that. If you have two to three guys, and I say two to three based on whatever alignment that you're you're in as at linebacker, if you have those guys working together and those guys are doing what they're supposed to do, and you can trust the guy next to you and you cover for each other and you do that's all you need at linebacker. It's absolutely very it's of all of the position groups, I think linebacker and offensive line are very similar, even more so than even offensive line and defensive line, right? Because there's just you just work together so differently. I agree with you 100. percent I think that that if you can get these three to five guys that Notre Dame is probably going to be counting on at linebacker, they work together as a unit. This can be one of the best linebacker units that Notre Dame has had since Correct. 2010. It'll be better than any linebacker unit that Jalen Smith played on. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because he was here, and then there was a big drop off to everybody yeah, else. And Mike. Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. Doesn't mean they are as good as him. Right. So, yes. Very, very good point, Vince. Very good point. And I'm sorry that I took your uh, – No, it was it's funny that, like, you were you were going down. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's just like an offensive line. And then you said See, it. it like, it's funny, Vince. It's like some people say, like, Vince is unwilling to disagree with you. I was like, that's not it. It's just we don't often disagree. We just see things the same way right. a lot of times. <laughs> right. Uh, it has nothing to do with you're uh, afraid to disagree with me. Sometimes <laughs> I think that I'd like for you to disagree with me more, but – it's just that we tend to be on the same page a lot. Yeah, so. that's why we this get along. Those 
Uh, Jared Michael, is Harrison Smith one of the top five greatest Notre Dame players all time in the NFL? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, he's see. in the conversation. I mean, because, I mean, there's been – in all time, I mean, we're talking Joe Montana, Alan Page, Jerome yep. Bettis. Yep. Um, all three of those guys uh, Tim are all Brown. I mean, yeah. that's just off the top of my head. I mean, Zach Martin. Yeah. Is he even the best NFL player from the Brian Kelly, Charlie Weiss era? I think that's debatable because of how great Zach Martin has been. Now, those are the two for me. I mean, they're in it. But, man, you think of some of the best – I mean, some of the best all-time Notre Dame players. I mean, Paul I mean, Horning. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, right. you know, there's there's been some Brian, – Brian Young from – you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Man, there's there's been um just I just type in ND football players in the NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah, like, I mean I it's mean, a long list. And Quentin I mean, Nelson probably on his way. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean Nelson's not I mean Harrison Smith's been a much better player than than um than uh than Quentin Nelson so far because he's so been far. better for so much longer. But for yes, sure. uh, absolutely, mean, yeah. Right, absolutely. Right. But um I mean when you think about it though, Vince, I mean there's there's been a lot of great ones. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, this is this is the list of this article I found from a few years ago, it looks like, of teams with the most NFL players. And here's some of Notre Dame's Hall of Famers. Obviously, we talked about Joe Montana, Jerome Bettis, Tim Brown, Nick Bonacani, Dave Casper, George, George Connor, Paul Horning, uh, Curly Lambeau, John McNally, Wayne Milner, Joe Montana, Alan Page, George Grafton, um, you know, Bob Kuchenberg. I mean, there's been some... There's been some great players in that conversation. So just just off that alone of guys that I know about, because some of those guys are Curly Lambeau. They're before my time. Sure. Just Jerome Bettis, Tim Brown. And this is before Bryant Young was enshrined. So you have Jerome Bettis, Tim Brown, Joe Montana, Bryant Young, and Zach Martin. To me, Alan Page. I mean, those are six right there that I'd have over Harrison. Right. Now, that's not to tear down Harrison, because I think Harrison, to me, Harrison's a Hall of Famer. I mean, when sure. you are one of the very best in the, in the NFL at your position for a right. long period of time, yep. and he's been the best in some years, but he's been one of the two or three best in most years right. for a long period of time, and you produce, I think you're a Hall of Famer. I think he's a sure. Hall of Fame player. Uh, is he one of the five best ever at Notre Dame? No. Now, if you were to say, if you were to take out the last 20 years, yes. Because then it's like Jerome, you know, or last let's say last thirty years of guys have played in the last thirty years. So that'd be what since since nineteen ninety two, right? So you'd have Jerome Bettis. So like if we go ninety two, ninety two okay. season, so you'd have Jerome Bettis, Bryant Young, yep, right. Those are two. You'd have, I think Aaron Taylor would have been in that conversation, not for injuries, because he was pretty okay. good early in his career. But you have Jerome Bettis, Bryant Young. You know, Zach Martin, Harrison Smith, to me, those are the four that stand out above Tuck. all the others. Justin Tuck is in the com- – but I think Harrison Smith is in the conversation. Justin but Justin yeah. Tuck's in the conversation. I'm He's trying to think of guys for a long time. Yeah. in those last 30 years that like, yeah. were um, the best at their position potentially. Yeah, just trying to think. But, yeah, those are running back, nobody else. Receiver, nobody else other than, obviously, like said, Tim Brown. Tight end, injuries have kept – I mean, Kyle Rudolph's been pretty good, but not – not but that. Not, I mean, he's yeah. He hasn't had the career. Yeah, offensive line. You know, Ryan Harris is a pretty good player. I mean, he's sure. won two Super Bowls. Ronnie Stanley. Uh, yeah, Ronnie Stanley's been pretty good. So I mean, there's a lot of guys in there, but it, Harrison's in my top five of the last yeah. thirty years. Agreed. For yeah. me, 
I know Bobby Taylor was a pretty good player in the NFL for the Eagles. You know, he was, he was a good one, but I'd say last 30 years for sure, for sure. Um, but all time, no, somebody asked about Quentin Nelson all time. No, not all time. Now, could he be, if he gets back on track and yeah, of course he can be, but man, I, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good, I mean, Brian, yeah, Joe Montana's got to be in there. Jerome's got to be in there. Bryant Young's got to be in there for me. Zach Martin's got to be in there. Yeah, because Joe Montana played yeah. through the mid '90s, so he was still in the league in '92. So he I, have to what of... I meant is guys that played at Notre Dame from '92 on. Oh, so like taking out the Montana, the you. Allen Page. I thought you were Paul talking Hornings. about in the yeah. NFL. No, guys that, okay, that gotcha. played at Notre Dame since then. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so that that's that's an intro. That's a good one. It's a good one. But no, I would not have him in there. But but the fact that we even had to think about it for a second says how great Harrison Smith is. Absolutely. I mean, he, he, has just, he has been so consistently good at a high level for so long, yeah. which is not an easy thing to do at that position. Because yep. the yep. safety position has changed a lot in the amount of time that he's been in the NFL till now. I feel like it's changed too. So yeah. he has adapted and still been one of the best. Yeah. People talk about Quentin Nelson guys. Look, let's let Quentin Nelson play his career out. Right. Yes. He's off to a phenomenal start. Even if he did have a down year last year, but let's let him, I mean, he's been in the NFL for what? 18, 19, 20, 20 five, only five years. Right. He, he's not Zach Martin yet. Could he be? Of course, but I don't think he's even halfway through of his career at this point in time. Right. So he could be there, but right now he's not. Right. If, right. if you'd asked me if Jerome Bettis was a Hall of Famer after his fourth year in the NFL, I probably would have said no. It's like, how about we just let him finish his yeah. career out? He hadn't first. even gotten to the Steelers yet, I don't think, at right. that point. Well, I'm trying to remember because he was with the Rams at first, right? Right. Yep. Let me look yep. up. I, I don't know because you you could be right, Vince. I, I, I don't know. I I looked it up. I forget what year it was he did go to the uh, Steelers. Let me look at that. So he was with the Rams for two years, two three years. years. Okay. So it wasn't year four so, is when he went. But yeah, and okay. his first four years, he had. He had one year that he didn't get to a thousand yards and one year with the Rams he was barely over it. And he only had for the first three years, he only had 13 touchdowns in his first three years. When he went to Pittsburgh, his career took off. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. He had a really good rookie year. And then after that, eh, the next two years, not so much. And then he goes to the Rams and he, or the Steelers and he takes off 1400 the next year, 1600, 1100, And, uh, you know, finish his career the way that he did. So, yeah, I mean, let's just let him finish his career first. I, right. I anticipate Quentin Nelson's going to be in this conversation when it's all said and done. But, but he's got another 10 years to right. play. If you'd asked me after you know. year five of Harrison Smith, he would. I'd be like, guys, let's let him finish his career first. Like, he's been right. pretty good so far, but let's let him finish his career. Right. It's that sustainability aspect of it to me that um, that I need to see. All right. Last uh, last one, Vince. Here Here's okay. one right now. Let's go to this one. Oh, from our boy Archer. If we all agree that Harold Perkins is the best linebacker in college football, who would you put number two? Well, I know who a lot of people put in there. A lot of people have like Tommy Eichenberg as a preseason All-American. Jeremiah Trotter is getting a lot of preseason first-team All-American love. I think Jeremiah Trotter is a nice player. I just don't see that. Okay. Uh, I know Barrett Carter is getting a lot of love at linebacker. You know, honestly, Vince, boy, this is a tough one. I would probably go with one of the two Georgia kids. Okay. And and it's kind of a pick for me honestly, uh, between Dumas and uh, Munden. I'd probably go with one of those two guys. I like the I like the Clemson linebackers. I do. I especially like Barrett Carter even more than Jeremiah Trotter. But I think if Jeremiah Trotter wasn't Jeremiah Trotter's kid, I don't know if he's got right. the same reputation he does. Still a good football player by no by no means. But, but that definitely helps. 
Yeah, it does. Because it, what we, it's like we talked about yesterday with Joe Alt, right? It's the, it's the reckoning. You're going to be an All-American if nobody knows who you are. I don't care what your numbers are. People need to know about you. Absolutely. It's a popularity contest to a degree. Well, you know, the funny preseason, a preseason popularity contest. Right. Anyway. In, in Lindy's, it, it literally says when they're talking about Jeremiah Trotter, they've got him listed as the fourth inside linebacker. Uh, one of the things they say about him, it's easy to see his NFL genes. Like right there. Right. You're I mean, already looking for it. Right. right. Exactly. Right. 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 I'd probably go with one of the two Georgia kids, and and um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm comfortable whichever one you wanted to take of that group. I think they're both really good players. That's that's where I would go with that. Okay. Um, cool. I, I think I think the other kid. I mean, Tommy Eichenberg, after the year he had last year, he should be in the conversation. Absolutely should be in the conversation. I just think the Georgia kids are just better players, in my opinion. And I especially because there's also a little bit of projection on my end for this Vince too is because I think those guys were both true sophomores last year. Yeah. And so um and they're different, you know, Dumas is a is a Mike, Munden's more of a rangy athletic kind of kid. So I, I think one of those two kids is, is going to be the number two guy this year, in my opinion. So that's that's where I'm at for those two. So yeah, that's it, Vince. Why don't you take us out of here, man? We're gonna get I, you and I are actually gonna finish a podcast in under three hours. If you can, if you can, if I can get us out of here in two <laughs> minutes and forty five seconds, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody for joining us at the Irish Breakdown Podcast, Brian, Vince. Make sure that you like, you subscribe, you hit that notification bell, and share it with your family and friends. We would love to spread the word of IB Nation, and don't forget to sign up for the message board. We've had we literally had people sign up for the message board yes. during the show today. Gold people. Club annual members, yes, yeah. Come on now, like the, the, just get on the wave. Just get on the wave. That is the the Champions Lounge at IrishBreakdown.com. Check out IrishBreakdown.com as well because there's a lot of good articles over yeah, there. The Champions too. Lounge is at boards at IrishBreakdown.com, but you go. can find it if you are at IrishBreakdown.com and you go to the top of the board or top of the page, yep. you will see. Um, Champions Lounge. And if you yes, click right. on that, it'll take you to the board. So, yes, you can find it that way as well. And uh, by the way, pick up some merch. Pick up some IB Nation merch, baby, because there's plenty of that. Irish this is in the store. That's in the store. Just all kinds of stuff. I got my white sweet hat right here is in the store. Got my white hat right here. Yep. I mean, literally half my closet is IB, IB stuff. And uh, I couldn't, I wear it all the time. Worked in yesterday. I had to so. find a, a polo to wear to church on Sunday. And Andrew's like, why are you wearing that? I was like, because I wear IB stuff everywhere I go. I just once I wanted to leave the house know, without right? IB on. So. I seriously, I do it all the And time. I felt dirty the whole time. I was like, man, I don't need to. I just should have put an IB shirt on. So, <laughs> yeah. so everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, there is uh, IB Nation Sports Talk tonight at 6 o'clock. So make sure yep. that you tune in for Sean's that. Sean's going to play his interview with Daniel Green tonight, which is going to be awesome. So Very good. not only a, a basketball player in Notre Dame, but a Purple Heart recipient. That's awesome. For uh, wounds she suffered in battle. We always talk about how much we love our veterans here and the people that put their lives on line for our freedom. And she is one of those people. So we tip our cap to her. And I can't wait to hear the interview she had with uh, That is awesome. She had, she's going to have with Sean. So make sure you check that out at 6 o'clock tonight. So a little under two hours. Go get yourself some dinner. Check back in. So mailbag tomorrow. That's right, baby. The Friday free-for-all mailbag. I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm going to get us out of here under three hours. So for Brian, I'm Vince. We will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.